Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. Now, I've not recorded one in a wee while, so I would like to reintroduce for the third time on the podcast, one and only Clara. How are we doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Just like Narnia, where I stay. I'm sure it's the same where we used to. Um, exactly. Now, for those of you that have listened to the podcast for a while, you know that Clara is uh, a coach on the team. Um, I'm sure that you all listen to her vlogs. If not, after listening to this podcast, you will go do that and check out the YouTube channel. But for those that are unaware of what you've been up to, um, maybe they've been hiding under a rock the past few weeks or months, should I say, can you just tell the listeners just what you've been up to? Give us an update since the last time you are on the podcast. Oh gosh, it has been, it's been pretty much a year. The last podcast we recorded together was just at the start of the lockdown in March 2020. Uh, and since then, I feel like I've been to the moon and back. Um, so I started a full-time job in January 2020. Um, and then in March, officially started working under the VW Physique brand. And over lockdown and over the last year, I have felt like I've been relentlessly working to build my reputation, to work with my clients, to build my client base, take care of them to the point where I have only just started working as fully self-employed. So I quit my job and yesterday, Monday was my first day as self-employed. So yeah, it's been busy. Um, amongst that I've had like within my full-time job about 60 different roles just cause I kept getting redeployed because of lockdown. Um, and since kind of like December, um, I finally started to prioritize a bit more of my psychology training, which is currently sort of my main focus alongside online coaching. So it's been busy to say the least, but we're here now and it feels like a breath, a breath of fresh air, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that for those of you listening, Clara is a very, very incredibly humble individual and probably hasn't realized how well she's done in, uh, as a new coach. As a new online coach, um, with the gyms being shut for seven months in the total of almost 12, 10 months she's been under the brand. So realistically, gyms have been open for you three and a half months, maybe, in that time period. Fortunately, yeah, something like that. <laughs> and, and, to, and to then build up your reputation to be able to go fully self-employed and focus on your, your psychology stuff as well as coaching, I think that's an incredible achievement, something that you should be very, very proud of. Appreciate it. Yeah, teamwork uh, makes it teamwork there, right? <laughs> absolutely. For those of you who don't know, uh, Clara edits a lot of the article, well, every article that me and Ali write because uh, we are literate. No, <laughs> she, she, she's just uh, a bit better at that stuff. Um, but in regards to obviously sticking to our strength, she is the one to go to in regards to sports psychology and is currently, now, please correct me if I'm wrong, the title is Trainee, sports, and exercise psychologist. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, that's that's cool. what I'm right now. So pretty much, pretty much, that means she knows her shit, <laughs> <laughs> right? And and that's the um, that's the reason why a lot of maybe Clara's articles will be about psychology, and mine's will be so far from that. Um, you know, today's one I wrote about. I'm sure I just just sent you. It was about highly branching cyclodexin. But mm -hmm. anyway, I digress. Um, I'm going off on a tangent again. We today's episode, today's podcast is all kind of about the current climate, we should say. Um, current lockdown, mental health, mindset, etc. etc. And I know that you're the same as me in regards to the sort of feedback we've been getting from clients and just what a lot of people are asking on Instagram, just in regards to their sort of workouts 
kind of feeling a bit draining on sort of training for now. You made some great points on the web, the, you know, the, the videos at webinar last week. So what I'd love you to do is just give give the listeners a bit of an insight to, you know, what advice would you give if there are workouts are draining from home? Um, and just elaborate on some of the stuff you said on that webinar. I think it would be fab. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I suppose the first way to preface this is that it's normal to find maybe workouts in this lockdown a bit more difficult than the first time round, purely because we're now in a context where this has been going on for 11 months and you'll get this as much as I do. People just going, oh, I'm so tired and I don't know why. And then you pull back and you go, well, we have been in a constant flux of change for the last 12 months. Like, no wonder you're exhausted. Uh, And for a lot of people where workouts were a space to sort of clock out and just like, you know, have time for themselves, they're now having to accommodate that back in their home. It's not like they can even go out into the garden unless they're like, you know, real Scottish, you know, thick skin. I certainly can't do that. Um, And having to reaccommodate that and just lose the space that you had or that time that you had for yourself, it's incredibly difficult. Uh, A lot of people are saying that they're not feeling motivated to work out. Um, And, you know, they tend to ask us a lot as coaches, uh, you know, how do you do it? And it always comes back to what motivates you really you know motivation we think it's this elusive thing that comes and once we have it it's there forever and it couldn't be further from the truth like you cannot rely on motivation per se it's the building of habits over such a long period of time that allows you to then just do a behavior without even thinking about it and what helps us in that is the more we see that behavior as being in alignment with the things that we truly believe in Uh, which tend to be for most of us our values so when we can link the behaviors that we're trying to be motivated for to our core values actually cracking on with the behavior which is exercise or dietary adherence or whatever it might be becomes so much easier because it's not a matter of like can I be bothered can I not be bothered it's more a matter of like who I am and what do I stand for and when we take it down to that it just, it, it doesn't really become a question of like, will I work out or will I not? It's more a question of like, when am I going to do it and how am I going to do it? So it's very much about finding, identifying what your values are and then being able to link those to the goals that you set for yourself or identifying the values and then setting goals that are linked or that are in line with, you know, with your physique development and with your nutrition goals, for example. So if you because someone's just heard that and still doesn't understand so if you were able to i'd say if you give me an example of maybe perhaps yourself and how you're able to link that and then what about just like a client because we know that not everyone is class redland bikini girl fucking loves giving it the beans and whatnot (laughs) so let's know you relate it to yourself who's a you know bikini pro competitor to then more of like a sort of gen pop style client. So if we give that first example for yourself, yeah. talk us through what that means in regards to your values and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So for example, um, the way I sort of identified my values, and I tend to do this like once every six months, every 12 months, it's just like online, you can find lists of values. And I think we spoke about this in the last podcast, but you can find a list of values, pick your top six or your top four, right? And once you've got those in mind, which for me, I've got them right in front of me, I'm going to link exercise to a value of mine which is hard work and commitment now hard work and commitment is something that's incredibly important to me um it's a way that I live my life that if I agree to something if I say yes I'm gonna 
take it till the end. I am going to commit to it and I'm going to put everything that I can into whatever it is I'm doing. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a relationship, if it is working out, if it's dietary adherence, if it's, you know, building a business, it does it like, if I say yes, I'm fully going to commit to it. So on the days where I really, really don't want to work out. I'm getting the rage because I'm stuck at home and I don't have the access to like the kit that I want to have kit to access to or like it's fucking disgusting outside and I need to go get my sets or whatever it might be. I think, right, well, maybe not directly now because it's such a habit, but I can go back to my values and say, right, well, if hard work and commitment is important to me, then by choosing to slack off right now I'm doing myself a disservice and the reason I might feel disappointed isn't because like oh I didn't work out and like oh I might you know not make the gains that I want to make it's it's because hard work is so important to me that I want to see myself acting out the things that I you know practicing what I essentially preach and what I believe in Um, and I suppose that's how I take it to myself for some other person maybe hard work and commitment is important to them but it's not the most important thing to them maybe they really you know value personal growth and learning something like that um so the way that they could maybe reframe it or look at the the same question you know how can I get myself motivated to work out right now if you pose it as a challenge of what can I learn by pushing myself to do something that I really don't feel like doing right now what's the lesson going to be on the other side when gyms reopen for me to look back on the situation and be like fuck yeah I learned something from that lockdown I'm a you know I'm a better person now I've grown as a human for me to look back on it would it help to have not missed a workout on days that I know I could have pushed myself Um, and by thinking about it in those terms and seeing how those small little daily actions can support you feeling in alignment with your values it's almost like the motivation you then go well it's not really a question of like yes or no it's a question of how and when um so it's tying it a bit more like almost like taking jumping into a helicopter and taking you know bird's eye view looking down and going right what's the bigger picture here it's not oh I can't be bothered right now Uh, and I'm not saying that's everybody but you know take yourself out of that situation think about it in the long term and yeah missing one workout like the world won't end if you miss one workout but what is that what what does that speak to at a bigger scale Um, and if you are really struggling to motivate yourself I would question whether like this is really what you want and if it's if you're maybe like working up because you want to please somebody else and you know if you start to ask these you know difficult and challenging questions I totally appreciate that it's not an easy conversation to have with yourself but if you start to to prod a bit deeper I'm sure you'll find a way in which it makes sense to continue doing what you're doing same with dietary adherence same with like choosing to you know not overeat seven days a week for example you know choosing to have the meals even when you're not hungry like you know there's you can tie any behavior and any goal that you have to your values you just have to spend a bit more time thinking about it so if you're struggling with motivation maybe it's not about oh how do I get more motivated maybe it's well what are my values and how does this goal make sense according to my values does that kind of explain it yeah absolutely I think in a roundabout way why was a way to get out but you think you already answered it was maybe this period is like making people identify that they don't really like training as much as they thought they did or mm-hmm. they don't really kind of want to 
step on stage or in front of a camera like they thought they did. Yeah. Because they got to the point where they kind of go, all right, well, yeah, actually, I I actually care about these way above than I do training. So they're my values then. Then that makes sense. I just just thought it would be kind of be good to put it in um, just layman's terms because, as I said, that's what this this podcast all about because I know I'm I, like me and you we, we 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 get it we understand but we you know if someone kind of comes on board or is listening that maybe maybe it's the first time listening to their podcast this post podcast and um, hopefully it's not but if it is thank you <laughs> welcome um but yeah I think that that really does sort of put it in mm-hmm. in good context but the one other thing that I think people are getting worked up on um, especially ones that are still training and that are you know maybe perhaps today they're not squatting outside because there's about a foot of snow, um, <laughs> but they're doing it in their living room. Like there, I think there's a lot of just uncertainty. A lot of people get themselves worked up about when the gyms will open, if they'll open, the date they'll open, if the pubs will open first and whatnot. And they're probably sort of kind of maybe wondering how they're going to manage the next sort of couple of months or the few, next few weeks of uncertainty, you know, waking up every day, kind of like, oh, my God, what's this latest thing on Instagram? Oh, my God, what's the latest thing on the Daily Mail or whatever it is? Um, and I know that you've got a bit of quite a bit of knowledge about uncertainty and whatnot. So you've written a few articles as well. If people want, please go check out Clara's articles on the VDFZ website. But for those that are listening to this podcast, maybe give them a little bit, could you give them a little bit of advice on maybe how they would maybe cope a little bit better with that uncertainty? Mm-hmm, definitely. So it comes back not to like harp on about values, but values can really, really help us manage this uncertainty because they facilitate a way of thinking that almost like enables us to be more accepting of the moment and almost try and be more flexible with the way that we think. So it's almost like if we take us back to sort of pre-first lockdown, pre-COVID world, um, the way that we maybe thought that the world operated was pretty fixed so this is how this works and this is how it always is and this is my routine and there's no alternative and what lockdown and what COVID has really forced us to do and reckon with is becoming more flexible in our way of thinking and a lot of that is simply learning to accept uncertainty and accept that we as much as we have an illusion we can't control the world um but we are very much in control of you know our our behaviors so if we take it back to those values if we can identify what the things that we value are we can then set value informed goals or behaviors which is what we've just touched upon you know in alignment with these four values that i've identified what can i set as something i would like to be currently doing that makes sense with these values um and from that what we can start to think about is how does that enable us to be in contact with the present moment because this uncertainty is very much a reflection of most of our inability to just be present in the here and now so many of us and I'll I'll be the first one who does this are living in like the future the worry that oh my god what's going to happen like what's Nicola Sturgeon going to say next what's Boris going to say and I mean this is something I've been working on for the last freaking year and I'm still working on it because it's not it doesn't come organically to me at all but 
how can my values and my value informed behaviors help me stay in contact with the present moment? Because when we bring the focus to the present moment, a lot of the uncertainty almost is like eliminated in, in, in many ways. If we think rather than like, holy fuck, will I be in a gym in the next two months? It's more like, well, right, let's bring it back. What can I do now so that it doesn't actually matter if I'm in the gym in two months time, what can I do here and now in alignment with the values or those goals and with the behaviors that's maybe gonna help me stay committed to the present moment. And the more we facilitate, the more we allow ourselves to, to think about the present moment and take it back to the here and now, we just see how these worries just gradually drop because, I mean, I always say this to myself and, and to clients too, is that worrying is like, you know, it's like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. So think about it in that way. You know, what can you do here and now that's going to enable you to, to just stay present and eliminate part of that worry? And what that then almost as a next step allows you to do is just go, cool, well, I can't actually control the past. I can't control the future. So I'm just going to have to fucking accept that I'm here and I'm now and actually it helps us stay more accountable when we accept that we have no control over the past and the future but that we do have a degree of control over what we can do here and now it becomes much easier to to stop worrying about that uncertainty because we know that we can control kind of the next hour the next two hours um or that there are tools that we can develop to to enable us to do that so it almost it, that allows us to create that flexibility that i was talking about before and not be as as fixated or as fused with with our thoughts and our beliefs about the world oh i should be able to do this and i should be able to to go on holiday like don't get me wrong it's fucking frustrating like i don't know when i'm going to see my family next right it's it's fucking annoying but rather than looking at those thoughts and just like jumping on them and being like, fuck, I'm raging. Like, this is so annoying. If you take that step back, if you accept the here and now, if you just think, right, well, instead of, you know, being upset and angry about not seeing my family, but not being in a gym, I can call my parents on the phone today. I can do my homework, but I can do whatever it is that I need to do. That's going to allow me to, you know, like not separate, like separate myself from that, negative thought from that, that uncertain thought because it, it you know it forces you to be like you know lights in your face fuck you know what can I do now rather than like oh you know this and that and you know spinning thoughts in your head um and ultimately that just enables us to like I said before kind of take that bird's eye view and look at your life from like a broader context we all think we're the fucking most important thing on this planet we think the world evolves around us and our issues I am like that but I'm afraid it's not that way like I think it's so unfair that gyms have been closed for this length of time but it, the world doesn't evolve around my goals unfortunately I can't control that so taking it back those steps if I come back to my values come back to those behaviors if I think about how can I accept the situation if I stop you know attaching to those negative thoughts I can see the current situation from a broader perspective and just accept that gyms will reopen, like this shit will be over. And what can I do now? Actually, that's going to remove some of that distress um, and help me, you know, still work towards my goals. Cause you know, the time will pass anyway, right? Uh, easier said than done. 
of course, <laughs> but that's why it's a practice. Um, I don't even know if I answered the question directly, uh, but think, hopefully I those think, steps can help break it down. I think more than answer that question, Clara. <laughs> this is why I got Clara on the podcast. I was like, Clara, you know, just come on the podcast, just speak for an hour. <laughs> um, I also think it's maybe good to add in here as well that um, there might be a lot of, especially females out there that, I know there's many that look up to you, especially in the team on Instagram, that they'll go, oh, but, you know, that's fine because Clara's badass and she's, you know, um, a fourth member of Destiny's Child, whatever. When I think you can easily admit that there's times where you have a little bit of a worry and you'll message me about, like, I'm sure you would even, you would message me worrying about the, the US president-elect and mm-hmm. whatnot. But the thing is, you have a very good ability to worry about it for a little bit and you'll choose the time to worry about it and then thereafter just stop worrying about it so yeah. it, j- just a shameless plug um it's not for my articles it's for yours you put yeah. on the, the site um i think it was kind of coping with covid it was like worry time yeah or, or something like that so if anyone's not read those or hasn't listened to the first podcast do you want to can I just elaborate on what that means? And- yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a technique that I came across when first lockdown happened. And it's honestly, it served me so well. Because uh, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, it's fine. You know, you can just switch off. I can't switch off. I really struggle to switch off. I am like, I see the thought and I'm on the thought and I write it till the end. Uh, so it's really it, like, it's taken a lot of work, a lot of conscious work for me to be able to separate that. But what the worry time technique sort of, proposes we do is that we set um, a, like set a set amount of time a day to worry about the things that are bothering us right now and by limiting it and by containing it we can make sure that those anxieties and and those thoughts don't kind of disturb our day-to-day functioning they don't impact on our ability to you know live a normal life like focus on our job do the things that we need to do uh, because it's so easy to be completely trapped in in your thoughts to you know get that paralysis by by over analysis you know there's some days I remember during lockdown first lockdown I remember once I woke up for some stupid reason didn't follow my worry time technique um, and I looked at the news at like five o'clock in the morning in bed and that set me off for the whole day like I was fucked. So anyway, back to the worry time technique. What it proposes is that you set a maximum 30 minute time slot during your day dedicated to worry. Like this is your worry time. And what I suggest you do is that you place that worry time at a moment that isn't like too close to waking up or too close to going to bed. So you've got time before and after to digest that information and sort of like move past it. And it's not just like hitting you first thing in the morning that it ruined your day because um, it, it can happen. Take it from me. Um, and so what you do is you find that time during the day and you need to be quite strict with yourself and saying, right, during this time, that's when I'm going to read the news. That's when I'm going to go on Twitter and doom scroll, as I call it, just like looking at this shit, just, just fucking blow up. Um, and this is the time where I'm going to voice those concerns to other people, maybe share those worries with other people. And also out with that time, I don't want to hear anything about the coronavirus. If I do come across this information, I'm just going to park it away and I'm going to be quite vocal about the fact that this is up with my worry time. So 
during the day then say for example so my worry time tends to be around 5 30 p.m because then i've still got a few hours 5 30 to 6 o'clock because then i've still got a few hours before i actually go to bed and by that point anything if anything i you know if any shit has hit the fan in the world i will know about it like the us is awake you know nicola's made her announcement like everything's kind of happened already um so i don't have to then check it again um so at that time, that's when I read the news. That's when I kind of catch up with everything. And if I find myself thinking about worrying thoughts, if I find myself concerned about anything else during the day, I park it till my worry time. So at the beginning of lockdown, I used to just write it in my notes on my phone, be like, oh, worried about, you know, traveling, worried about, you know, spread of the virus, worried about number of cases in, you know, the town that uh, my parents live in, for example. Um, and I would just write down all those little things that I wanted to Google there and then, and I could have spent 30 minutes of time just sitting there, just, you know, panicking, but I park them. And when it comes to my worry time, I come back to those thoughts and I go, maybe half of the time I'm just like, oh, well, that was a random thought. Why was I worried about that? move past it or that's when I sort of sit down and read the news um and for me the most important part was setting those boundaries of the people around me uh so Jack for example my partner he used to you know read the news and like the cases especially at the beginning of the pandemic uh or however many thousands of cases and I just had to say you know past 6 p.m I don't want to know about it like don't tell me the number of people who have died because I don't want to know. I don't even know what that information means. And I don't want to know about it at 8.30 when I'm about to go to my bed because that's going to keep me up all night. And then I'm going to be on the fucking BBC trying to read more about it and just like not really comprehending any of that information. So it's just a way for you to park your thoughts and really set boundaries. Uh, and ultimately the goal of that isn't to stop yourself from worrying. It's more just to enable you to live your life. It's worry can you know it can just take over completely um and during the last year I think for most of us we've really well we've come to face face to face with a lot of our mental health struggles a lot of things that maybe we didn't realize that were bothering us because we were busy being busy and when you're busy being busy you just it's so easy to ignore small things that come up small like oh this this maybe doesn't feel too right but I'm just gonna fucking ignore it um, and the worry time technique really does, I mean, it doesn't have to be applied to coronavirus, but it does allow you to set very strict boundaries that can protect your mental health because you're not dismissing the worries, you're still addressing them, but you're giving it a dedicated time and you're giving it a limited time. And it also almost like incentivizes you to go, actually, I don't need to worry about this now because I'm going to worry about it later. So let me just crack on with my day and I'll come back to it. And sometimes when you come back to it, it's not even a concern anymore. It's just like, you know, like I said, that fleeting thought. Um, if you think about it, like a car, you know, cars whizzing past on a, um, on a motorway, you know, you see the worry thought and you're in the car already and you, you know, you're speeding down the motorway. What we want to think about is just watch it go by and just say, yeah, I'll, I'll come to it later. You know, I'll hop on that, on that van later. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, it, you sometimes don't even have to come back to it because it's in the moment and then it's gone. Yeah. I just want, I know we hadn't discussed adding it in, but I think it was just really a good addition just to remind people, because I'm sure the people who listened to the first podcast, they were like, yeah, it's great, but maybe maybe just forgotten about it, a reminder. And so hopefully it can kind of help get them through the, the next sort of, well, we hope a couple of months before the gym's open, but um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's as you said, you know, we go back to that uncertainty and whatnot, not knowing 
everyone sort of waiting with bated breath on big Nicola or big Boris or whatever you are in the world's announcement. Um, the only people I don't feel bad for are the listeners in Australia that are like, party and like everything's open and they're living life. Because um, there's a bunch. When I looked on the on the website, not the website, the statistics page, it's pretty cool. But anyway, I digress. The, the one other thing I, I know you've been asked about um, was for people that have perhaps been feeling just kind of slightly slightly bogged down, you could say, you know, a little bit like maybe a little bit depressed about the whole situation. It doesn't need to be necessarily just about the gyms because I'm sure there's maybe people out there that they have the equipment and, mm-hmm. you know, they've maybe got a sick gym in their garage or, or whatnot, um, mm-hmm. garage games as such. Um, but maybe they're still feeling a little bit slightly depressed, a little bit bogged down. Um, is there anything that you perhaps haven't covered already? Because you've covered a fuckload, I'm sure what you've already said relates to all that so much but is there anything else that you could add or say to those guys listening um because the majority of them they don't want to tell people um that they feel like that they sort of kind of keep it reclusive keep it within i know i know a lot of guys um guys do um guys within our our sort of brand are pretty good at opening up but for the ones out there that are kind of not just guys but guys and girls that are putting on that front of you know everything's okay but inside they're maybe a little bit down What, what would you say well, the first thing is that if you do have any concerns, always speak to your GP. That's always the first point of call. If you're unsure if whether what you're experiencing might be depression, might not be, you know, it doesn't have to, you know, you don't have to be in tears in the middle of a crisis to reach out to someone. Always, always speak to your GP first. But there's a lot of things that you can do, especially to simply just understand how you're feeling a bit more. Um, I always say that it all starts with awareness. And if you've been feeling a little bit low, but you can't really put your finger on it, maybe you just need to turn towards that emotion and sort of like let it in, even though it might feel like you're opening Pandora's box and it's not going to be an easy conversation with yourself. And you've, you know, if you listen to any of my content, I always talk about, you know, inviting negative Nancy or Debbie Downer in for a coffee when, you know, when they come knocking at the door, rather than shutting it off, it is important to sort of have that conversation and go, right, well, what, what's going on? Um, maybe with a new worry time technique that's that's you know that's where you can put that conversation um but often we just want to consider okay well what what are the thoughts that are coming into my mind right now um is it just like a feeling of what's the point um in keeping going you know with whatever I'm trying to do like what's the point in keeping going with training you know even at the more extreme points with life but if that is your concern please do find your GP or Samaritans but that's I'm talking about more like low feelings in general, understanding what the thought is and being quite specific about the thought is the first point. And it could be multiple thoughts. Um, So being aware in the moment of like, okay, what thought just came into my mind? Um, Because those thoughts affect our feelings. Um, And from that thought, we then need to address, you know, how did that make me feel? What's the emotion? Am I angry? Am I frustrated? Am I really upset? Am I distressed? It's not just, oh, I feel shit. Like I feel shit has many different colors. Uh, so try and identify what it is that you feel and also identify how strongly you feel it. For example, wake up today and it's snowing and I go, oh, for fuck's sake, that's annoying. But I feel annoyed, but I'm like 10% annoyed. Like it's really not that big a deal. Um, So identify the emotion, but identify also how strongly you feel that emotion. Um, If there's any physical sensations that come with it too. Um, 
try and try and see how it makes you feel for some people being anxious makes them completely lose their appetite they feel nauseous at the at the thought of food other people just like are super hungry could like eat the house down other people feel exhausted and they just want to go back to bed so just think about what the thought is that kind of triggers you to be like oh my god I feel some kind of way what is it that you feel how strongly do you feel and how how does your body respond you know does your heart rate go up do your palms get sweaty whatever it might be um and from there try and and identify okay what's the what's your knee-jerk reaction like what's the immediate behavior that you want to do or what does that then lead you to do um so for example if we think about the likes of dietary adherence uh, in the context of being super anxious. So you're feeling mega anxious and your knee-jerk reaction is eat your feelings. For example, a lot of people develop that coping mechanism, right? So that's the knee-jerk reaction. But what happens after that? How does, what's the consequence of, of that? Doesn't matter, not, your, not in terms of your goals, but how do you feel? What's the thought that comes after that? Like what keeps that cycle going? Um, so if the thought is, you know, what's the fucking point in going on with all this? Cause I'm sick of it. The feeling is feeling really low. And the behavior is in this case, sacking off a workout. How do you like, what's the thought after is, do you tell yourself, Oh, I'm a lazy piece of shit. How does that make you feel absolutely awful? What's the behavior sack another workout? Cause you feel like shit. You can very easily see how these things can spiral. So identifying that behavior and the thoughts and being very specific about them can then allow you to almost again take that bird's eye view and just ask yourself okay well if someone I really care for was discussing this with me if they were saying oh you know I'm feeling this and I'm feeling really low and I just don't see the point and like I just kind of want to give up and it's just you know it feels pretty pointless and I feel awful about it because I keep skipping my workouts if that is you what would you say to that person uh, to comfort them, it is very likely that you'd be, you know, quite calm about it. You wouldn't be aggressive. Uh, you'd be quite understanding and you would think about a solution to the problem. Uh, you know, rather than just saying, oh, Papa on the back, it's fine. Just take the workouts forever. Like you won't die. You'll get back into it. Um, try and be a bit more proactive. So, so reframe the feeling, reframe the thought. Okay, maybe I feel really low. And it feels pointless because it's been going on for a really long time. But I know it would be forever. And I know that I do enjoy training. So what can I do to maybe help me get back into the swing of things so that that cycle, that low sort of negative spiraling cycle is broken and I can create a different cycle. And you don't have to almost set the same expectations on yourself now than you maybe did when gyms were open and when everything felt fine, like pre-COVID, because the context is different. Like context really matters and all behavior makes sense in context. So don't bully yourself into trying to, you know, trying to apply this the same, uh, the same demanding yourself when the context is wildly different. And just because you modify your goal and just, be just because you modify your approach to the goal, it doesn't mean you're lowering the standard. It just means you're adapting. It means going back to what we were saying before, it means you're allowing yourself to be flexible. And yeah, maybe before you were training five days a week, you were doing 10,000 steps a day and you were fucking smashing your cardio. Or maybe now guess what? Maybe if you've not trained for two weeks, maybe going out for a walk three times a week is where you need to start. Maybe that's 
the good enough benchmark and you're not lowering the standard. You're just giving yourself permission to rebuild that confidence in yourself. Because if you say, right, I'm going to go from nothing to five days a week training from home to smashing my steps and doing my cardio, you're literally setting yourself up to failure. You need to build momentum for yourself. <laughs> like do yourself a favor. It's not even about ego. It's just about context. Like the context is different. Allow yourself to operate in the context and always think, what would I say to someone else? And even though like that works for a lot of us and then, you know, I'm like, okay, what would I say to someone else? And then I tell myself, yeah, but it doesn't apply to, you know, the demons in my head are like, not you. You know, it's again, it's being able to turn to that little demon or that voice and say, no, fuck you. It does apply to me. I am allowed to do this. Um, and often just like sharing how you feel with someone else, bouncing those ideas of somebody else can also help because they can confirm, oh yeah, that demon needs to fuck off. This applies to you. And they might be able to see it from an outsider's perspective where if that person knows you, they can also offer you know, another example of a time where you were able to overcome a difficult situation, where you were able to overcome a really low period of time, it might be completely unrelated to lockdown or whatever it is that you're going through right now. But when someone else, or even when you can reflect on like, oh yeah, that time five years ago, I had a really shit six months, but I got through it. I'm, I've just had a really shit six months. I can probably do it again. What helped me then? What can I do now? So don't, it's, it's so difficult to, to convey, but as hard as it is, and as much as we really want to hold on to that moment and like, I feel shit, I feel shit and throw a tantrum. Once you've moved past that, just take a break, take a broader view and really try and be like your own best cheerleader, so to speak, you know, really try and find ways that have helped you in the past that can maybe help you now. And think about reframing those issues that you're that you're coming across with. And if you're not sure, speak to someone. Um, and there's many professionals out there that can really help you specifically kind of challenge those thoughts in a more structured way. Yeah. Um, I think in, in addition to that, you you said I don't know if this same scenario applies. And I remember from one of the webinars you had said that you know people that were feeling like oh I can't be bothered, and then instantly flipping on its head saying well. If I miss my workout, how's it make me going to feel? Yes. Or, yeah. I know um, I'm not doing it the right, right way. Do you want to love Yeah, that? no, definitely. It's another good way to look at it is that when you are feeling low or like when you're maybe not, can't really be bothered with your workout or, you know, whatever it is, I always like to ask, okay, well, will Clara of tomorrow be grateful for the decision I'm about to make now, or will I regret it? So for example, yesterday, I woke up five o'clock in the morning. I was like, yes, first day of self-employed. I got out of bed and I had a fucking pounding headache. And I was like, got up, made my coffee. The smell of coffee made me gag. And I was like, right, if I try and push through a workout right now, I'm going to be fucking raging because this is going to make me really ill. Like, I know I'm just going to be burning the candle even further. And that question, will I regret going to bed or will I be grateful for the fact I went to back to bed? A hundred percent grateful. Other side, will I regret doing this workout or will I be grateful for doing this workout? Trust me, I knew I would regret that workout. But the amount of times that I've gone into the gym on prep, for example, uh, or even like during the first lockdown that I had like cardio to do after a workout and I'm just like, 
like I just I don't want to do it like I don't want to fucking do this right now but then you go right will I be grateful or will I regret not doing this and you go right well I don't want to do it tomorrow <laughs> so I better fucking do it now I know that once it's done I've, I've been to the situation before I know once it's done I'll be so glad that I did it I'm gonna be so glad that at least I tried um and if I do you know five minutes and it's just a no from me then I, I, at least I tried, then I know. But most of the time you do five minutes. Or like I said to some clients, you know, if you're really not feeling a workout, go in, do one warm-up set of the first exercise. And if you're really still not feeling it, sack it. It's never happened that someone's acted. They just crack on with it. Yeah. So again, just giving us a permission to ask that question and really that it, it does allow us to pin it down into, am I really needing a rest? Or am I just not really feeling it now, but I know I can do it. Uh, so it's almost like an easier way for you to even self-assess. Uh, can be a home workout, but even when you're at the gym, um, if you're on prep, whatever it might be, um, it, it's a good way to bring it back to the here and now and be like, right, let, let's not, let's take away the bullshit filter. How am I feeling? Do I want this? Do I not want this? Why do I want this? Back to the values full circle um so yeah it all kind of it all makes sense in its own weird way yeah no 100 it does i just i thought it, when, when you were talking about the webinar i was like that's a really good way to look at it so mm-hmm. yeah i just thought add it in because it's just going to benefit anyone that is is listening um yeah. now just being conscious time i'm aware that you would ask um a specific question for this mm-hmm. podcast do you want to tell listeners well what was the question and then give them your answer and then we're up yeah so the question was around the use of my fitness pal and meal plan. So lately, not even like super recently, it's kind of been a running theme on social media that using my fitness pal um, or meal plans can be a way of like promoting disordered eating patterns, uh, that there's not enough education around how to use my fitness pal as like a tool and that people can become very latched onto it. Same with a meal plan. Um, and I think the the people two different people ask the same question, which is quite curious. Uh, but the question was more aimed at like, what, what do I think about that? And I suppose that it's like everything, every tool that, that exists out there can be used and abused. If you don't use it, you know, if you're not using it in an educated way, in a supported way. So for example, if we consider my fitness pal, my fitness pal is so useful to so many people it really opens many people's eyes around like nutrition education like even just most of us have you know when we don't know anything about food and nutrition reading a food label means absolutely fuck all like nobody knows how to interpret all that information what am i looking at per 100 grams how do i compare 30 grams of cocoa pop cereal serving to like 50 grams of like curiously cinnamon like it's just it makes no sense at all Uh, So what my fitness pal does is it really allows us to learn in quite an eye-opening and painful way more often than not what is actually in the food that we eat, whether you're just looking at calories or whether you're also looking at macronutrient breakdown. It's such a useful tool. Now, like everything, that can be used and abused, but which is why I think that educating people is the core 
at like the core of of any kind of you know training education that we do that any kind of you know nutrition education that we do with our clients and just in general with the fitness industry same with like you know if we started saying that you know tracking cardio with your fitbit is going to promote disordered you know disordered exercise patterns i mean for some people perhaps and you can see it but it is a very very likely and i might be completely wrong but it's very likely that those people would have developed that irrespective of Fitbit. Like eating disorders, exi- eating disorders existed before my fitness pal did. Yeah. You know, they existed before meal plans did. So it's not about that. And I don't, I genuinely don't think it facilitates it. It's just that it's an important conversation to have with people. And that's a responsibility that coaches have to assess and also look for signs that just might be a bit concerning from their clients uh and knowing that if they don't know what to do with that information it's okay they're not expected to be eating disorder experts either um so i personally don't think that my fitness pal promotes disordered eating i do think that it's a tool that needs to be you know learned that you just need to learn how to use it um and a lot of the times like even for those of us who are used to using it and like have not much attachment to it. Like we can kind of, you know, we use it because it's useful, uh, but that's about it. It can be bastardized like anything. I mean, I know that during prep, there's sometimes where I'm like, right, I am literally going to macro hoard so I can have this chocolate bar at the end of the day because it's my birthday. You know, <laughs> it's 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 useful in that What's way. What's time to tell me about this, Clive? <laughs> it's my macros though, which is precisely, you know, it, it's that same approach of like everything and anything can be, taken to its extreme and used in a useful or in a non-useful way. And it's the same with meal plans. You know, there's a lot of like bashing meal plans. Um, Oh, you know, it doesn't teach people how to eat. Well, I'm really sorry, but like your fucking generic British diet is fucked. You know, people will be lucky if they eat a single vegetable in a day. So for some people, if they literally, I mean, depending on what their background might've been, you know, maybe even growing up, they never had, structured meals during the day maybe since becoming adults and you know studying or living independently they've not had that structure and they've just not had to practice these you know regular meals regular healthy meals so I don't think meal plans are bad at all because they can really provide someone with a foundation and a really good understanding of like oh that's what that means and I find at least with my clients that providing them with like macros, like a macro plan and then translating that macro plan into meal plan and having them both in front of them, they can really start making those links so that, you know, ultimately the the goal is education. The goal is I don't have to keep updating your meal plan unless you want me to because you've actually figured out how to understand macros. You know what you enjoy doing you're doing a consistent, you know, eating plan. And I don't have to tell you what to do because I've empowered you through the meal plan and through the macros to be able to use them to your advantage. Um, Again, the end of the spectrum in a normal curve, you know, they're so small and the likelihood of coming across it is quite rare. But like anything, just as a coach, because it's coaches asking this question, just be mindful of the signs. If you're not sure of the signs, you're allowed to ask a difficult question to a client. They don't have to answer, but you're allowed to ask. And if you don't know what to do, 
there's so many referral pathways um, that you can have that conversation with a client about. And, you know, don't try and be a problem. So like every problem solver, like your role as a coach and personal trainer is to help a person in whatever fitness goals that they might have. You're not, you know, you're not expected to be a psychologist. You're not expected to have all these other, all, all these other skills. So stop trying to fucking pretend to have them. Like, do yourself a favor, like keep your clients safe. You're probably doing more damage than good. And it's such a huge risk for anyone to undertake when a client presents with like certain issues that they just don't know how to deal with, but they don't do anything about it. Like it's so risky. Um, So to answer that question, I don't think meal plans on my fitness pal are bad at all. It's how you use them uh, and making sure that it's a two-way communication, not that you're letting go you know of your client giving them a meal plan and off you fuck with that you know good luck <laughs> but it's true so a lot of people do that just make sure that you're always communicating and touching base and asking how you know asking questions about how they're engaging with it and how they're finding it um be curious and you know your clients will be more than open more than more than happy to be open with you about it yeah that's wicked now i think that that has been uh, episode two of knowledge bombs i think it really adds to the one we did the first lockdown because mm. i'm sure there was some stuff in today's episode that, that yeah. we, we maybe didn't touch on or maybe we've touched on it today in a slightly different way hopefully it's a bit more well it's just as easily digestible i'm sure it is um, as that first one but if not um, i would recommend anyone um who's listening to this go listen to the first one then go on the website and then read everything that clara's written <laughs> <laughs> um, especially if you are sort of struggling through this period. She's, she puts it in layman's terms. She's got good grammar, way better grammar than me. <laughs> and, um, and I'm sure that that'll help. But as a as a side note, if there's anyone listening who would like to quiz Clara or hear from her in more detail, I'm sure you're more than happy for them to, to drop in your DMs, right? Yeah, yeah, please do reach out on, on you know, on Instagram or whatever it might be. It, it does, it's really nice to get messages from someone who's listened to the podcast, even like if you tag me on, on your story uh, or whatever it might be, and even just letting me know what you took away from it. Um, and if there's anything you'd like me to talk a bit more about. Um, I was not, I do put out a lot of psychology content, but not as much as I would have liked to, just because I've been so busy with, with my job. But it's something that now that I've got more time, um, I really want to start helping people understand a bit more, especially how psychology applies to our fitness journeys. Because for many people, intuitively, it makes sense, but they seem like such separate worlds. And I really want to help people, you know, make those links and really understand that. So if you've got any questions, if you want me to elaborate on anything, if you want to share something with me, do let me know. Um, And we can always, you know, chat about it in more depth, of course. Fantastic. Now, if you're listening, I think I speak for me, Clara, everyone at Vida Physique, when we say, give it the beans. <laughs>